Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Well, we've been in a series called Positioned. And we're talking about being rightly positioned before God because I believe that we're living in a time and an era in which I truly believe that all of us, the sons and daughters of God, need to be rightly positioned to face the challenges of our day. Now, we need to be in the right place. We need to be in the proper condition to be strong in the face of trials but also to fulfill the calling. And I'm glad that Brian mentioned that, that God has called us to something. We need to fulfill God's calling and purposes for our lives. Now, when I speak about purposes and goals and calling, I'm not talking about the calling as we sometimes get so enamored and sometimes even overwhelmed and obsessed with the idea of calling. God has called me to something. God has given me this calling. I'm not talking about that kind of calling. I'm talking about being an obedient son and an obedient daughter of God, an obedient believer according to God's word. I'm talking about being a good father, being a good mom, being a good husband, being a good wife, being a co-laborer in the field to understand what God has called us to. Someone who is devoted to the will and to do the will of God. And so we're going to read the scripture that we have uh, uh, selected for this series, and it's found in 2 Chronicles. Uh, Turn your Bibles or your iPhone Bible or your non-iPhone device. Um, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 1, and then we're going to skip down to verse 14 to 18. And it says this, that after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Maonites came to make war on Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. And then skip down to verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing, by, uh, climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will, have to fight, you will not have to fight the battle. Take up your position. Take up your position. Memorize that. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. When we take our position, the victory comes from the Lord, not from us. We take our position, 
and stand firm to see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And verse 18 wraps this up. That says, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. I mentioned to you that God wants us to be a blessing, to become a blessing, to impact uh, our lives and the lives and uh, families around us. But also, I believe that God wants us to impact cities and, 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 and countries. We are, we're sending a, a team of, of missionaries to go to Mexico to do exactly that. And I, I, I want to tell you, uh, Mexico team, do not shortchange yourself. What you feel and you hear God speak into your life. You lay hands on the sick, believe that they will recover. You will talk to somebody about the light of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, believe that they will receive what you are speaking and speak and do it with authority because it's his word. His word is on the line. It's not your word, it's not my word, it's God's word. What he has already declared will come to pass as we dare to believe God for the impossible. But today, I want to go back to examine what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, about the concept of gratitude. As I was preparing uh, last week, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, we're not done with gratitude yet. There's something else that I want to share with you. And so I started uh, uh, pausing and waiting on the Lord to share some things with me. And so this is what I want to talk with you again today. I want to go a little bit deeper into the concept of gratitude, the biblical understanding of gratitude. Now, I mentioned to you that Gratitude is defined as a state of being grateful and thankful. It is a warm feeling in response to favor received. Friends, gratitude is life transforming. It will transform not only your life, but it will transform the lives of people around you as well. Someone said gratitude can transform common days into thanksgiving. It will turn routine jobs into joy, and change ordinary opportunities into blessings. In recent decades, the study of gratitude has been discovered to have incredible blessings and incredible uh, uh, benefits, both emotional and physical. Like, for instance, better sleep. They have discovered that as we become increasingly gracious or, or grateful that we build our immune system, we build higher self-esteem, decreased stress, lower blood pressure, less anxiety and depression, stronger relationship and higher levels of optimism. Gratitude, however, has to be experienced. It can't just be a concept. We actually have to step and do what the scripture says about gratitude. Now, as far back as centuries in both, both philosophy and culture, gratitude was looked upon as a very important aspect of life. In fact, 
Uh, Marcus Cicero, the Roman philosopher and statesman, he said this, gratitude is the mother of all human feelings. Why would he say that even back then? It's because it's important to understand that gratitude transforms us. Gratitude changes us. And so it's important to understand that Gratitude is one of those feelings that is absolutely so vital and important. In one of the publications that I uh, read, and actually, um, last uh, a couple of weeks ago, when I was uh, when I was sharing about gratitude, someone came to me and said, "You know, I was reading in this book that neuroscientists have recently discovered that uh, uh, anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist in the brain." that incredible? Anxiety and gratitude can exist at the same time. Now, I was reading in this publication, and it said this. When we express gratitude and receive the same, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin. These are two crucial neurotransmitters that are responsible for our emotions, and they make us feel good. They call them the feel-good hormones, right? They enhance our mood immediately, making us feel happy from the inside. By consciously practicing gratitude every day, we can help these neural pathways to strengthen themselves and ultimately create a permanent, grateful, and positive nature within ourselves. Now, I said this to you that... uh, this is, in, in so many ways, I believe that it's a key to changing our hearts and our lives by practicing biblical principles. When we struggle in an area of life, the opposite will, if we practice it biblically, we memorize those scriptures, we talk about, it will create new, brand new neural pathways in our minds where our brain will no longer default into those areas of negative output, but will default into what God says and what the scripture says. We can create that by listening and practicing God's Word. Now, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, I mentioned this to you last time, that it was said already thousands of years ago that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. A broken spirit will sap you of all your strength. Now, when we choose joy... We can replace the likes of anxiety, worry, and fear with gratitude and what God says about us as opposed to what we hear the enemy and all the voices around us say about us. It takes time. It takes commitment. But God's word is transformative, friends, and it has power. And as we begin to apply the Word of God that will transform our hearts and our minds, that's why the Bible says, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And we do that by the Word of God. I have a good friend who, um, when Lois and I were youth pastors in Montreal, his testimony was just unbelievable. His name is Dino Andriatis a Greek descent, and this man, a few years before he became a youth pastor, was in 
I'm telling you right now, this is not an understatement. In a mental institution, almost unable to communicate with anybody. And someone told them, you need to listen to the Word of God because it will transform you. Well, that's what he did. They started playing the Word of God on cassette back in the day. (laughs) In that room, mental hospital, and the Word of God, he made an agreement with the truth of God in his word. It completely transformed him. That man walked out of that mental hospital on his own two feet, his own mind, and God called him to just share his testimony wherever he would go. He would just tell people about the power of God to transform, the power of God to heal. The power, and the Lord started just doing tremendous things. We got to know him because when we were youth pastoring, we had him come and speak. And what an incredible testimony of the power of God. God and gratitude and his word, he is transforming. It changes lives. Now, let me just say this. While the Bible is clear about the truth that gratitude should be at the center of our lives. It is also true that we all face circumstances that sometimes cause us to get angry, upset, frustrated, and begin to do what? The opposite of gratitude. Complain. We begin to complain because we have to deal with these situations. Now, these circumstances, I want you to know, are not causing God in heaven to fret and wonder, how am I going to answer my people? That's not the problem at all with God. Now, let me give you some examples why I'm saying this. David. David was a good man in the Bible. We read about the fact that David did not, for instance, he did not complain about being a shepherd, but taking sheep on pasture. David did not complain about being the last of the son of uh, the sons of Jesse who was lined up they, they, all these boys were all lined up to be ready to be anointed one of them be anointed as the king uh, a possible future king of Israel. David was not upset that he wasn't in the number. He wasn't even considered. He was not angry of that. He was not upset that his father told him, I want you to take some salami sandwiches to your brothers uh, because they're at war and you're like, you know, you're the young kid. Just go bring him some food. He wasn't upset at that. In fact, David seized opportunities, even the ones where you would look at it and say, what? I, I can't go to war and I'm just like a little errand boy? Is that what you think of me, Dad? He never thought of that. In fact, he seized that opportunity, which seemed to, on the, out, on the outset, to be something that's like, well, you know, that's what he thinks of David, just a little. No, he seized that opportunity, and he fought the giant, and he defeated the giant. He was victorious, and even while he was victorious, he didn't boast about his victory, nor did he complain about the army that would not stand up against the Philistine giant. But in Psalm 22, 
David complained to God out of desperation. I'm going to take you there in a minute. Now, interestingly enough, in the version of the Geneva Bible, this translation, we're going to read that verse in a minute, but the Geneva translation of the Bible from 1599, a few years back, actually has a preface right in front of Psalm 22 in very old King James kind of language. I'm going to read that to you. This is right in front of Psalm 22. It says this, David complained because he was brought into such extremities that he was past all hope. But after he had rehearsed the sorrows and griefs wherewith he was vexed, he, over, he recovereth himself from the bottomless pit of temptations and groweth in hope. And here, under his own person, he setteth forth the figure of Christ, whom he did foresee by the spirit of prophecy, that he should marvelously and strangely be rejected and abased before the Father, should rise and exalt him again. Like, what in the world did you just read? Let me just paraphrase that for you. David was frustrated. He was frustrated at the circumstances and the situation because David had made a commitment to God, but those who did not know God were making fun of David's commitment, hence the Scripture. Psalm 22 and verse 8, it says this, He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. These people, can we put that verse up again? Uh, Psalm 22, verse 8. There it is. These people were mocking David. They were saying, oh, you trust in the Lord? Well, let God trust you uh, or deliver you. You think that God is the God that's going to make a difference in your life? Well, then go to God then. The devil, friends, will use small people, and sometimes he will use giants, big people that have maybe a lot of influence in your life to speak lies and wanting to take us down and take you down. But God, friends, if he has put a giant in front of you, it's because he believes that you are a David. If he has put giant circumstances and people that are of great influence that are rejecting the God that is inside of you, maybe God thinks that you are a giant slayer. So you've got to stand and believe in what God says about you and not what the enemy will taunt you with. Oh, yeah, you think God, God can do it? Well, then let's, let's see if God can do it. I've had people that have said things like that. Oh, yeah, you think God is all that, all that? Now, let's see if he's going to help you out in this situation. We don't listen to naysayers. We listen to God's word. Now, God knows your circumstances, my circumstances, and he sees those giants that sometimes circle around you. 
And you may be like David at the end of your ropes and at the extremity of your patience. You're not alone. You're in good company. I want you to know that God can handle your frustration and even your complaining. You don't have to be super Christian that got all the answers and got everything put together. Nor should you be in denial either. God will perform what he said that he would do. But our calling is not, and our positioning should not be either of, you know, oh, there's no problem in my life. I, I, I'm just going to attack. There's no problem. You know, deny the problem. It's not what we do. At the same time, you don't have to be a super Christian that has all the answers either. We trust in the name of the Lord. That's our hope. David was a man of faith. He loved God. But he had a complaint. Complaining, friends, much like gratitude, is a condition of the heart. It is fine to let it out, like David did, to let out your frustration sometimes before God, to let out your complaint before God. It's okay. But it's not okay is to become a chronic complainer. That's not okay. This is something that we have got to guard ourselves against. Chronic complaining will just plant a root of complaining in our hearts. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. But when we go to God, it's okay to say, God, I don't know what's going on. Sometimes I feel alone. I, sometimes I, I don't understand what's happening. But I, I trust in you. And I want to trust you more. But I'm just fed up right now. It's okay. God can handle your complaining. He is big enough. He's got shoulders big enough to handle yours and mine and every one of us. I want you to think about it for a moment. What would you do if you were David? Being chased by King Saul. Your son Absalom is sitting at the city gates trying to convince people that he would be a better advisor and a better king if they made him the king and not his father. Would you be inclined to complain? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe you're better than I am. I think I probably would. Listen to Psalm 64, verse 1. David says, Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. You know what David what happened here is David's energy, like we read in Proverbs 17, 22, his energy was gone. It was sapped. He needed God's help. And so he voiced his complaint, but then immediately realized that God was going to help him. I want you to think of Job. Did he face any trouble? Oh, yes, he did. Did he complain? Well, let's look at the scripture. Job chapter 10, verse 1. I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. Whoa. 
Job, chill out. Slow down. Okay, so if that's in the Scripture, and the Scripture is inspired by God for teaching us, that, is that there for a purpose? Job was a man of faith, was he not? He was. He was a strong believer. Would we say that he's a strong believer? I think so. He believed God. But he also struggled. And he poured out, like the scripture says, I'm going to give free reign to my complaint. And I'm going to speak out in the bitterness of my soul. Now, you may be in the same situation today, friend. Maybe you're wondering what in the world is going on with your feelings. Like you're fed up. And you're tired. And you've had enough of your circumstances. You're good. And God is still good. And you're good. You're still a child of God. He has not rejected you. He is not concerned. Oh, my gosh, my daughter Lois is complaining. Oh, my Lord. He is not. He understands your plight. And he will come to your help. Remember Joseph? Remember the hardships and the sufferings that he went through? He was ridiculed by his brothers and his parents, his dad, sold as a slave, landed in a strange place, got into the home of Potiphar. He gained favor, and then he was wrongly accused of rape, and then finally ended up in jail. While he was in jail, God used him to interpret the dreams of two men, the cupbearer and the chief baker. And what happened? They totally forgot him. Well, God said, I haven't forgotten you. So there was another opportunity to interpret a dream. This time, on a bigger scale. Let's interpret Pharaoh's dream. Well, that caused him, in the plan of God, to be second in command over all of Egypt. Pretty cool story, right? Now, you think that he was happy right through it? That he didn't struggle at all? How do we know it? Well, the Bible tells us, of course. Genesis 41, verses 50 to 52 says this. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asena, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh because he said, it is because God has made me forget all my troubles and and all my father's household. Imagine calling your son trouble. <laughs> I'm going to call him trouble so that I can forget all the trouble that I went through. That's great. Great name. Good job, Dad. Manasseh. He made me forget all my trouble. And then the second son, he called him Ephraim. And then he explained and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. 
If we think that Joseph and the story of Joseph is only a great, powerful story of positive things, we are not understanding that God works through human hearts and human minds and human frailty, and he knows what we are going through. And he accepts what we are going through. Now, Joseph kept his integrity, right? I think right through the process of refinement of his life, Joseph had integrity. It doesn't appear as if Joseph complained at all, but we know that he suffered and he was troubled. And that was heavy on him. Maybe Joseph was a silent type, quietly suffering, not voicing his complaint publicly. But he suffered from those afflictions nonetheless. Maybe you're the type that internalizes your struggles and your difficulties. Circumstances weigh heavy on your heart, but no one knows anything because you don't say anything. And I want you to know that God, regardless of where you're at in your life, will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. Listen to beautiful verse in Psalm 105 and verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. It's a test. Did Joseph pass the test? I think so think so we don't ever see him or read in any scripture of joseph abandoning god the god of his fathers a kept integrity of heart friends the bible says that the testing of our characters produces greater endurance and perseverance now we can choose to make a cause us to get bitter and angry and frustrated and stay there, or we can get a little out of sorts while we're going through it, but still depend and trust and rely on the Lord. So I want to tell you this. Don't give up in the midst of your trials. If God has given you a dream like he did Joseph, don't give up on your dream. God will accomplish what his word declared for your life and for my life. He will never leave us. He will not forsake us. And God can handle your frustration and my frustration. It's okay. He is not out of sorts. Let me close with this. We are all sons and daughters. But some of our situations will cause us to feel beat up, abandoned, discouraged, disappointed, upset, angry at times. Friends, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's other great men in the scriptures that went through it. This is not a denial of the power of God. It is an awareness of who we are and our struggles and our weaknesses, that we are frail, we're human. He understands. I don't want you to ever 
think that it is not okay for you to sometimes articulate some of your frustrations to God. It is okay. You can do that. We can trust a God who is a reliable God because he can handle whatever we go through. Like I said to you before, chronic complaining can take root. And we know from Proverbs 23 that what we say oftentimes we become. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is he. So we become what we think and we speak and we say. That's why we have to be so careful that it, we don't sit and stay there and, 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 and just sit in the complaining mood on a consistent basis. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. We all need the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness spring up and cause and causes trouble and by it become defiled. A root of bitterness can be implanted in our hearts as if we constantly live in a negative mindset. That's why gratitude is so important because it changes, it transforms our minds by the renewing of the mind through the Word of God. It is powerful. The grace of God will sustain us as we go through challenging times. And He will give us the strength to rewrite the negative neural pathways that we have gotten so used to traverse by changing the narrative and expressing gratitude before God. Friends, I want to be honest with you and tell you that even as for ourselves as lead pastors and of this church. I speak for me and I say I face challenging negative times. It is not always all hanky-dory and, and wonderful. It's not a bed of roses all the time. I wish it were that way. It's not. And at times complaining can become pretty easy. Have you been there? Am I the only one? Okay, I see a couple of hands that are being honest. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us have been there. And if you haven't been there, God bless you. And I, I honor that. I really do. If you have the character and the strength of character to not go down that rabbit trail, that's amazing. I have had my times when I've complained to God about a few things. I'm preaching to you out of experience this morning. Because I've had to deal with this stuff myself. And I hope that all of us at some point come to terms with the reality of what we face. That God sees and God does not reject us. So I'm asking you this morning, what situations are you going through right now? Or maybe you've been going through for a while where you have a choice to make. It's either to let go of the bitterness and the anger, the frustration, 
and go to God with gratitude despite the situation you're in. Man, some, some stuff, guys, is like really hard. Can we be honest? Some stuff is really hard. And we have to learn to pause. You know, um, self-awareness is one of those things that I think, I don't want to say all people, but I know I struggle with self-awareness at times. Like, I may be saying something, and I'm not aware that I may be going through the same situation. You ever been there? And it's acknowledging that God wants to work in us and through us. So as we deal and we face the circumstances and we defeat the enemy with his lies of deceit, friends, we are sons and daughters. And the day that I will reject my son or my daughters from coming to me and complaining about a situation that they're going through, that's the day that I will lose the privilege to be a father. Are you hearing me? Because the father will always accept, doesn't matter what. We don't have to pick and choose what our children come and tell us. And it's the same way with God. I've had my children come and tell me situations that they were frustrated with. I never told them, oh, well, deal with it. Stop being so negative. What's wrong with you? That's not our God. He will come and help you at the point of your need, right at that moment. Right at that moment. Because His Word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you no matter what the circumstance. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.